The reading is from Luke chapter 23, verses 44 to 56, and you can find it on page 1060 in your Bibles. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun had stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut into the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day. The Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee fo followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience with, to the commandment. This is the word of the, God, of, of the Lord. Thank you, Claire, for, for reading. And uh, Claire, can I just ask you a very oddly specific question? Um, what were you doing on Saturday the 8th of April this year? Yeah, I didn't think you'd remember. Anyway, anyone, anyone else remember what they were doing Saturday the 8th of April? No? Oh, it's a, a little while ago. A little, I don't remember. Going into town. So we have one person who can remember what they were doing. Marianne was going into town. Uh, maybe, maybe you're kind of just thinking, well, what do I normally do on a Saturday? Uh, maybe it's that just cheeky longer lion. And, you know, it's slow morning. It's maybe the morning you get the newspaper out and, and just, in, you know, go deep. Uh, may, maybe, maybe Saturday. It's football, right? Well, I can tell you, I'm afraid Leicester City lost 1-0 to Bournemouth on Saturday, the 8th of April. Sorry about that. Not my fault. Uh, maybe for you, Saturday, shopping day. Shopping day, or for you, like, nope, it's a walk in the countryside, obviously, with a cafe that involves coffee and cake. Uh, maybe, maybe it was that for you. Or maybe Saturday's at mowing the lawn, trip to B&Q, um, or it's just settling down in the evening, some good Saturday night telly. Saturday, 8th of April, just, just a normal Saturday, I guess, uh, for most of us. Uh, I, I, I decided, I'll look in my diary, see what happened. It was totally blank on one thing. Apparently, Emily's new phone was delivered. There you go. That's what happened. Very exciting in our household. Uh, some of us uh, here at St. Luke's will have been recovering. Uh, holiday club had just happened. It's a, it's a surprising number of people going, yes, I remember. It was about 80 children, so lots of recovering required. And it just gives you a little clue. It was Easter Saturday. And I always find Easter Saturday a bit of a strange day each year. 
uh, particularly as a Christian involved in the life of the church, uh, Good Friday, loads happens, feels really significant. Easter Sunday, they have great celebration. And in the middle is Easter Saturday. And you kind of go, what's this day about? And you look around and it's the world just carries on. Life just carries on. You mow the lawn, you go to B&Q, you go shopping, whatever it is. But Saturday 8th of April this year was Easter Saturday. And if I were to rewind a couple of thousand Easter Saturdays, where we would land right where that reading that Claire just read for us finishes. Luke chapter 23 and in verse 56, you can read it. It says that they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandments. Luke leaves us in the company of some of the women who had followed him uh, from Galilee, who with the disciples had gone with Jesus on this, this journey to Jerusalem that's ended at the cross. Uh, you know, we, we, we're talking about women like the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and uh, Mary, the mother of James. We're talking about people like uh, Susanna and Joanna, incredible women of faith. These are the women who funded Jesus' ministry, funded him and his disciples. And what have they just seen happen? What have they just witnessed? They've just witnessed Jesus defeated by death. And what are we told they're doing? Resting. The same as any other Sabbath. Life on the Saturday just carried on as it always did. But you can imagine this was a day like no other. You can just imagine them sitting there in silence. Just don't know the words to begin to speak out for what's happened. Maybe that silence is just interrupted occasionally by the, the sobs that engulf them. They're exhausted. They're tired. They can't, they can't sleep. Their bodies are just so full of shock at what's gone on. The pain of sorrow cuts through them. And everywhere they go in the house, there's a reminder as they smell the spices that have been left on the side that they're going to take to Jesus' body the next day. Now I know, looking around the room, that many of us, maybe even all of us, have had something of the experience of losing a loved one, of a loved one dying and of, and of grieving. That feeling of the whole world crashing in around us. That sense that life is never going to be the same again. That hole that just opens up inside you. And you look around and it's as if the world doesn't take any notice. The world carries on. The life carries on. The sun rises, birds sing, people go to work, shops open, phone beeps, and you just want to cry out and say, don't you know what's happened? If this morning that's you, the Bible doesn't hide away from this reality. Grieving is not alien to Jesus. Grieving is not alien to God's people. Just take Mary, Mary, Joanna and Susanna that first Easter Saturday. They've just watched Jesus defeated by death. They've watched every harrowing moment. They've heard every cry. They've watched as Jesus' body is placed in the tomb. Their whole world has come crashing down. Life is not going to be the same for them. 
It's as if a hole has opened up in them. And that Saturday, they look around and it's a Sabbath. Everybody's resting. Life is carrying on as it always has done. And it's as if they want to cry out, don't you know what's happened? But if you like, they want to cry out even more than any of us will ever want to. Because whilst that Saturday just looked like any other Saturday, any other Sabbath, it seemed like the world had taken notice when Jesus died. Isn't that what Luke points us to in these verses? It gives us a number of different pieces and details of what was going on. So in verse 44, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, you can see it that middle of the day, there's darkness for three hours. It's not an eclipse, it was a full moon. It was definitely dark. Not normal. And yet if we know something of our Bibles, you'll know in the Old Testament prophets like Amos and Joel and Zephaniah speak of darkness and the day of the Lord and it, it's signifying the presence of God's judgment. It's as, if, it's as if the creation was responding to the Creator being on the cross. To the one who had made all things. Everything that was declared not, uh, everything that was declared to be good is suddenly not good. Then verse 45, we're told, as the sun stops shining, the curtain of the temple torn in two is ripped into pieces. If you've ever read the second half of Exodus, you know that the, the temple and the worshipping life that happened there for, for God's people always pointed forwards to something. And it's as if at this point, as Jesus dies, we've arrived there. The curtain t is torn into two. It's as if God's presence can now come out of the temple and reach all people. The way to God has been opened up. And then verse 46, Jesus calls out, doesn't he, with a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Yes, it looks like death is defeating Jesus, but you see, Jesus is still in complete control. He decides when he dies. He's the one who hands his spirit over to his Father. And he uses the words we can find in Psalm 31. Uh, the call of the, the righteous person of faith. Here we have the true person of faith. Who fully trusts God the Father despite all that's going on. That's not, there's more. Verse 47, the centurion. The person who was paid to make sure Jesus died. The person God's people kind of hated. The person who was as far from God's people as it was possible to be looks at what happens and he declares, surely this was a righteous man. An innocent man has suffered and died. A great injustice. And as a church, over the, the last couple of years, we spent quite a lot of time in the book of Isaiah. And I don't know if you, you remember, as we've tracked our way through, again and again we came across this righteous person, this innocent person who suffered, the suffering servant. And then verse 48, the next verse, there's more. Suddenly there's this crowd, this crowd who's watched everything. They've seen many crucifixions, they probably see more. And they'd normally just go home. Except here they don't go home normally, do they? We're told that they're beating their chests as a, as a sign of mourning and of grief of what they have just seen. Some of these were probably in the crowd when they shouted, crucify him, and yet they recognize something. Something has happened. And it's terrible. And if you know Zechariah, 
chapter 12, you know there's a promise of God's people looking at the one who was pierced and there being bitter grief, bitter mourning. And the women and those who follow Jesus from Galilee, they, they, they see this all. They see as Joseph of Arimathea, this, this man of power, this wealthy person, goes off to Pilate, asks permission to take Jesus' body down. They wrap him. And we're, we're told that he's placed in the linen cloth, placed in a tomb, cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. Jesus' body is not dishonoured. And actually, if we look in Isaiah 53, we know the promise that the suffering servant one day would be assigned a grave with the rich. Just, just grab hold of a Bible for me for a minute. Just, just, just hold, it, hold it in your hands. And if you've got it, open it. Luke chapter 23, page 1060. Brilliant, but don't worry if you haven't. And I don't know if you've had the experience. You know, you, you know when you just get a bit of thread on, on your jumper or whatever you're wearing and you're a bit nervous, should I pull it or not? I just want you to imagine there's, there's a thread like that coming out of every single page of the Bible in your hand. And it's as if Luke is picking almost every single one of them up and bringing it to this point, to the cross. We see here, yes, Jesus is defeated by death, but this is not no ordinary death. We can be absolutely certain that Jesus died. And we can be absolutely certain that this is no ordinary death. In verse 49, we're told, aren't we, of those, those who knew him, including the women who followed him from Galilee, they, they stand at a distance, they're watching things. They see, they see that this is no ordinary death. And you just wonder as they watch, are they thinking? What are they thinking? Are they thinking, what's going to happen? Is anything going to happen? And as we stand, or this morning sit, we're even more of a distance but actually we're more privileged. We've, we've got all the pages of the Bible. We've got the New Testament. We've got the accounts of Jesus' life. We've got the letters. And we can see that Jesus' death really was no ordinary death. We see that as Jesus was defeated by death, Jesus is the one who is defeating death. Jesus at this point is defeating death. You see, Jesus is the only true righteous one who's lived rightly who's right in God's sight, who fully trusts God, and yet he's the one who suffers. Jesus is the one, therefore, who can stand in the place of people like you and me with that clean slate and face the consequences we should face for how we've decided to live our lives. Saying to God, actually, we know better. We know what life's about. We know better how to live for life. You might be the creator, but we know better. This is a death where God's judgment is active. A, ju a judgment, yes, over the horrors of what's happening to Jesus, but also, at the same time, a judgment that comes onto Jesus himself. And the curtain is torn. The way to God is open. We don't have to go to a place to worship God. We come to a person. We come to Jesus. We come to the cross. As Jesus is defeated by death, at the same time, he is defeating death. Jesus' death is no ordinary death. Is, is this your experience of Jesus' death? But it does leave us with a question, doesn't it? Why, on that first Easter Saturday, does it look like life has just gone back to normal for the two Marys, for Joanna, for Susanna, as they rested on the Sabbath? 
And you know, I just wonder whether here, actually, without realizing it, these women were doing exactly the right thing. They were making exactly the right response to Jesus' death, a death that defeats death. This is no ordinary Sabbath. This is the first day of true rest. Every Sabbath through the Bible, every day of rest that we have, that speaks of God creating and inviting us to life with him as it's meant to be. Every Sabbath, every day of rest that we have speaks of God's rescue and the freedom that he gives to people. Every Sabbath in the Bible, every day of rest that we have speaks of a true and ultimate rest that's still to come when everything is made right. And it is Jesus' death-defeating death that opens the way into this rest. If by the power of the Holy Spirit you and I have begun to understand and experience Jesus' death as a death-defeating death, our response, the right response for us is to rest. Not, not in the sense of, oh, do I need to go to B&Q, watch the football, watch Saturday night telly? Does it mean, you know, a bit more lying, a day off, a bank holiday maybe? These things might be good, but no. Not in the sense of trying to do a bit less because life's too hectic or trying to clear our minds. Those might be good things to do, but that's not what this rest means. We're talking about deep rest. We're talking about rest for your souls. Rest from having to search to make sense of life. Rest from having to, to strive and show ourselves as being good enough. Rest from being scared of death. It's a kind of rest that Jesus talks about when he says to people, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's almost like what Luke says in verse 54 is, is more true than we realize. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Jesus' death-defeating death was the ultimate preparation that was needed for true Sabbath rest. This morning, it's the Holy Spirit inviting you to enter into that rest, that soul rest, for the first time. It's what we long for deep down. And the way has been made open by Jesus. It just requires us to receive it. This morning is the Holy Spirit reminding you of that rest that is already yours in Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews in chapters 3 and 4 gives a little warning because it warns us that we can very easily turn away from this rest. And the, the writer encourages us, says make every effort to enter that rest. Because sometimes we don't. And the encouragement is to hear God's word to us again and again. Because this idea of entering rest and receiving for free does not come naturally to us. We need to be reminded again and again, we have rest before we've done anything. We have rest before we've proved ourselves. We have rest whether life feels like we've got it together or it's chaos. Whether life feels hectic or empty. It's a rest. We're above the door, as we were reminded this morning, it says sin as well. Earlier this week, I was talking to my wife, Emily, who we saw at the front earlier, and 
she said to me, um, we talk a lot about trusting Jesus with our lives. That's good. That's right. And so we should. But we also have to trust Jesus with our deaths. That's something we don't talk about very much. That feels a lot harder. So this morning, is the Holy Spirit asking you to trust him with your life or the lives of your loved ones with their deaths? Knowing that a loved one who knows Jesus, well, the New Testament describes them as falling asleep. Or those who don't, that maybe it's a prompt that we need to go and say something of Jesus to them. Or maybe it's for ourselves to know that death has lost its sting. Why? Because Jesus was defeated by death and in doing so, defeated death for us. Do you know what? You and me can be totally sure of this. Because we haven't finished our reading yet this morning. Claire, do you want to come and just bring us the last few verses for us? Chapter 24 On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day will rise, will on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Amen.